Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining, t- joining me today, he's an author, podcast host, entrepreneur, and mental health advocate. It's Nate Sheen. How are you doing today, Nate? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me today. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. Oh, wow. So I uh, am from rural Ohio. Uh, so we're about um, 60 miles south of Cleveland to kind of give some people some context of where we're at. Uh, I, I grew up in this kind of outside of a tiny little town of about around 20,000 people. And so some interesting facts about me, uh, I was a, a very fundamental homeschool raised child. So uh, I pretty much was in a very isolated type of community, didn't have a lot of childhood friends. And in fact, I only really retain one childhood friendship to this day because there wasn't a lot to have besides my brothers and sisters. So I grew up in that culture where I was homeschooled for 12 years. And what I ended up liking doing uh, is kind of what we're doing here today. Uh, I really wanted to be a radio personality because at first that was really my only link to the outside world because pre-internet, which we were pretty pre-internet, even though people had internet because we had dial-up when in my later teens, but before that, my only link to the outside world was radio. So I wanted to be a radio personality, and uh, I set up an FM transmitter, and, and nobody listened to me, but I do have some cassette tapes from that time in my life, uh, which has kind of turned into many years down the road now. I've got a hobby of a podcast host, uh, so it's kind of similar to that. Uh, it's It's fun. Uh, but I actually get to talk to real people because back then I had to make up the host. You know, I was eight, yeah. nine years old having fun with that. Uh, but yeah, it, an interesting journey through that uh, and really got me interested in technology because now I own my own technology company. I've got a number of employees that work for me and number of clients all over the country. And uh, so that kind of gives us the starting point of where I'm from. And a lot of challenges with that coming into the real world. Sometimes we hear the pros and cons of being homeschooled. In your experience, what did you enjoy about being homeschooled? Well, I'm I'm not almost, I'm not an advocate of homeschooling. Uh, I'm I'm going to talk about the dark side of homeschooling, Alex, because that's what I experience. I think, and this is not my experience. I think there can be a positive experience in that world. I think parents who really are invested in their children's education uh, will do well with that. And ones who have educated themselves well can do well in that world. You need some outside influence. And that's different for everybody. It's a, it's a really a spectrum. I see those who have come out of that world do really well, who have had good outside influences, whether from a church or another community group or another organization. And originally when I was in it, you know, we're, we're pushing uh, many years now, you know, back into the 80s, it was pretty kind of this new thing and it was very fundamental church centric. And now there's a lot of different types of churches and non-church groups and there's a lot of different ways of doing it. You can do it online these days. Mm-hmm. And so that's very different. My experience was very much we had a textbook and we had mom and we were about we were able to go as far as mom's education was able to go if we were going to have to go any further than that we really had to uh, push beyond that ourselves because we were very isolated in that world to that so I think there can be a lot of positives out of that but my story is a lot darker than that unfortunately 
Did it hurt as you gotten older with interpersonal skills where when you got outside of that environment, when you're interacting with other people, being yeah, it, isolated, did that struggle? I, it, I, I think, yes, it, it definitely hurt with the interpersonal. I think a lot of people really focus on the interpersonal or social skills that homeschoolers lack. I wouldn't say that was my biggest weakness coming out of that world because I wanted to know people personality wise I enjoy getting to know people I'm a very social person uh but I had never done that so I made a lot of like missteps and mistakes and I'm asking a lot of strange questions and they're looking at me weird like you should know these things Mm -hmm. um so that was really challenging for me uh where it was really helpful is a couple of people picked up on it and were very gracious people in my life Uh, in my late teens and early 20s when I had left home, who really just took the time to sit and talk with me and work through those things with me, which made it kind of gave me uh, like an extra speed on what was going on in the world. Uh, Another piece of that was, uh, for, for better or worse, the internet was very helpful to me. Uh, and if you, if I had been maybe five years earlier, it would have been a lot harder for me as well. You talked about your experience and the only experience I know is from being an outsider with a friend who went through homeschooling and he kind of had that similar story with you where how did they interact once they got outside? And the first time I met him was in college. And if you've been homeschooled for a certain amount of time, going to college, that is a whole new world because you're being exposed to a lot more. So coming from what you're saying, I can understand what you were going through because from my experience knowing someone and being able to have those opportunities to have those people to teach you or answer those questions, I think is very helpful because we shouldn't be all judging someone that if they don't know something, because we are not in their shoes in those situations. We didn't grow up that lifestyle. So I think more people need to kind of respect if those people are asking those questions, because maybe there's a reason why they're asking those questions. Right. And and I think it was different for me. I think every personality, it's more challenging. I did go to college and it was exciting because, oh, this is yep. cool. And I I was like the model student because I always had a question. <laughs> and maybe somebody that you heard it in high school, they're like rolling my eye, their eyes at me for asking these questions. But I truly did not know some of these things. So I figured out the format and I actually read the syllabus because I'd never seen anything <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Like, so this was new and exciting and, and, and amazing and, and fun to me. And so, but I, I look back at all of the experiences and some of the mentors and teachers who really took a special interest in helping me. Uh, they were really helpful in getting me through some of those challenges uh, I needed to get through. And if I didn't have those with me, uh, I wouldn't be able to do what I do today. You talked about finding a love for radio. Was it more on the talk show side or like the music DJ side kind of radio show? I think it was a little bit of both. You know, it it was magical to me that there were people who got up every day and got to sit in front of a microphone and talk. And I always loved the, the idea of video and film and that type of world. Uh, but that was a lot higher budget than I was able to come up with on my very limited funds that I was able to get through uh, the allowances that my parents gave me. They were really big on teaching you the value of work and getting paid at the end of the week. So I think when I started, I was making like, 
you know, I don't know, a $5 a week allowance or something. So you'd have to save your money pretty tightly or scrimp and, you know, find old tech to make it work for you. And um, they were really big. So kind of give you some context. Uh, in my area, there there was a rise of cooperative homeschooling groups, and they would get together and do homeschooling together. And my parents were not into that. They did it a few times and decided that was not for them. They were going to do everything themselves, and they were going to take me and my three other uh, brothers and sisters on our own field trips and our own educational studies. And one of them, we took us to our favorite radio station, and I got to meet the host. And it was like the most magical tech I had ever seen. It's probably pretty rudimentary, but that was like a a memory I won't forget. Like getting to be in the studio, standing next to Mark, listening to him talk on the microphone, and that was so cool. And then he actually let us uh, say hello on the afternoon radio show, which I was just floored. It was like the best experience of my life, and I was like, "This is what I'm going to do when I grow up." And I really followed that through for a while, but uh, that kind of fell flat after a while, but have had uh, a number of experiences to do live radio since, and now with podcasting, which is really where it's at in that world, uh, it really scratches that itch for me. This is kind of moving way forward real quick. Is it crazy that it's your kind of passion has come full circled where you were in love with radio, but now where you are today, you are still doing something similar and still living out that dream for yourself. I just, I like wake up some days, like, I can't believe that I get to go to work and me, my boss allows me to podcast. Um, (laughs) I just, I just enjoy it so much. I don't have any classic training. I didn't even go to college for any of this. The only things that I really learned were a couple of mentors along the way that taught me. And just by doing it repetitively over and over again and helping with my interview style or chatting with people style. But it's very much the way I podcast. It's just like having coffee with somebody and having a conversation. And I just love that. Yeah, it's a full circle, something that I very much enjoy. But I also get to have an income stream that allows me to do this and allows me to have that time uh, in my day to do it. You talked about that you, radio was something for you. For me, it was being a game show host. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not hosting a game show, but I'm still hosting in my own game show in a way. But you talked about learning from mentors and idols of yours in the industry. And that's what I've been doing. I've been learning because I didn't go to college for podcasting. I don't even think I even thought about doing it. But to me, you can always learn on your own without having that formal education. And I think that's the best part nowadays where you have the internet, you have Google, you have YouTube videos, you have ways of accessing mentors in all different capacities. Yeah, I, I and I think it speaks to just the fun or excitement with your podcast or with my own. Uh, I'm at almost 50 episodes with my podcast and that's a less than 5%. Yeah. of what podcasts get to. Podcasts don't get that many episodes. Most podcasts end after three episodes. Um, I just like doing it. If I didn't like doing it, I wouldn't do it. I could do something else. I like to do things I like to do. Uh, and that's what I think that is so fun about podcasting itself or anything else I do in my job. Growing up, did you have anyone that was an inspiration or 
motivator for you? Well, I would say uh, a couple of authors, but I would also say probably that radio host that I got to go see on. And there was another lady that hosted the afternoons with him as well. Um, And in the come full circle, I actually, she's one of my clients now. And I actually serviced her. She moved on from that radio station to the other radio station. And when I found out and I became friends with some of the people, I was like, I've got to do their IT. Absolutely. And I worked really hard to get it. And then they sold the station and she's retired now. But we stay in touch. And uh, her name is Jan Markowitz. She was a uh, uh, she's a well-known radio personality, won many, many awards. Uh, And I. uh, Got to be on the radio with her a few times, uh, and then there was uh, met some other great people through that station. But she's still a client of mine because she has a podcast and she has uh, she's on a international radio station right now that's broadcast all over the world. And uh, we do her IT for her as well, and it's just so fun to have her as an inspiration. Somebody I met when I was nine years old uh, via Mark and his radio show. Mark still works. Uh, in radio, we just aren't as close. Uh, I haven't talked to him in several years, but it's just uh, those were definitely my two inspirations in the radio world. And as a kid growing up, they were the closest things to celebrities that I had. As for education with college, what were you pursuing? When I got into college, I, I came out of high school. I didn't really know what to do with myself. And I had done some odd landscaping, mowing work, because that was pretty much the hire anybody. And but I was I'm very entrepreneurial minded. So I had started my own mowing landscape service and I was kind of enjoying it, wasn't enjoying it that much, wasn't enjoying having employees. I was 19, I had no business doing what I was doing, but it was a mess. I'll just say that. Uh, and then I and then uh, I found this uh, adult career education school was doing an IT apprentice. Oh, I want to do that too. So I'm running this little company trying to mow people's grass, and I'm doing this night school IT apprenticeship program as well. And I just really fell in love with doing that. And so I went through that. I completed that, and then I wanted to go on to like a local college and try some some programming, uh, maybe do some development work. And so I took one or two of those classes, and I didn't particularly love that. And then I got distracted again. Um, so this goes back to the, the very Christian fundamentalist roots. I was involved in this tiny little church that there was a lot of drama. I had moved out of my parents' house because it was too close to being a part of the rest of the world to be a part of this church. And I decided I would go to this Bible college they were uh, connected to. And I went there for a year, and and that all fell apart with me. So you can kind of see this kind of distracted life that I was having, uh, trying to run a little business that wasn't going well, playing around with tech, going to Bible college. And something finally just clicked in my brain, uh, and I just decided I'm I'm going to kind of stop all of this confusion. I'm going to focus on tech. I'm I'm not going to focus on this Bible college thing anymore. I'm going to go back to my small town and I'm going to do it my way and quit listening to everybody else. 
And so I went back to my tiny little town, as broke as can be, because I had some relationships there. I needed some place to start over and really start over and rebuild my life from there, uh, from that moment of being broke and said, this is the trajectory I'm going to set my life on uh, and just build from there. Uh, and really was the challenge that I overcame and the challenges that I went through to get to where I'm at today. Were you someone that was always looking for that next opportunity or that next thing? Because you talked about distractions and not staying focused on one thing and always moving to the next. Do you feel that you were always wanting to know what else can I do and see if they could all work out together? Uh, I, I think initially it was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I really didn't know what I wanted to do because there had never really been any formation. My, my, my growing up was only your, your plan for your life is, is what I was told is to, you know, go through this education church experience, which was homeschool and home church really at the end, we were not involved in a church, find a good woman, settle down and be a provider of income to that and do the process all over again. That's what I was told was kind of my mission in life. It was not to be an entrepreneur. That was too risky in that world. And I was just really struggling with that. And I just kept like, I like that idea. I like this idea. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, really, whatever I was told I was supposed to do, I didn't enjoy. I didn't have a passion for. And so I kept trying these different things. And I struggle with that a little bit today. I really have to like slow myself down. That's the entrepreneurial part about me. Like, oh, that looks cool. I want to try that. Or that looks cool. I like to try that. Like I, I never order the same thing at a restaurant. I'm always trying new foods. And so, but I have to really like pull myself back and say, okay, that's something I want to do. How am I going to do that well and strategically mm-hmm. do that well? And that's where I've really uh, didn't have the kind of the the training or mentoring at first to get me there. You talked about coming back to town um, after, would you say, was it hitting like rock bottom in a way or a low point in your life? I still point to that time as the lowest point in my life. And um, this is a story I've resolved with this person, but this was probably the most crucial moment in my life. I was working for a company uh, near the Bible college. And I told the the owner, Hey, I'm leaving. And he was a part of the church and he goes, you're never going to be successful going back to that town. There are no successful people there. That's good. That's a terrible decision for you. You really need to be here in this church and listen to us and listen to our guidance. Uh, there's no place for you there. Uh, you're going to be no better off than those people. And I, and I said, well, there's a lot of successful people in that town. And I really feel like I've got better relationships there than here. And I, I'm, this is what I'm doing. I'm going back to do that. And, uh, it, it was, it was a very dramatic moment. And I, I really want back, you know, bank accounts overdrafted. I had one credit card that was completely maxed out. I didn't have any money. And I st- had stayed with, uh, this, this couple before that had taken me in had no children and decided that uh, they were going to kind of semi-adopt me after I was, you know, 18 as their kid. And I moved back to their house and I had, I, said, I have no money. I don't know what to do. I had called up 
somebody I had worked with in the IT space and said, I need, I need some money. I need the work. And so they gave me a job at like 30 hours a week. And I was just trying to figure some stuff out at that time. And it was really like my rock bottom because I couldn't afford any kind of rent. I really had no money to pay for the room and they weren't expecting me to, which was great, but I felt guilty about it. I was fortunately didn't have like car loans or any major outstanding debt. I hadn't defaulted on any rent or anything like that. So I was okay, but I was really struggling to find where do I need to be? And I just really felt lost. Like I didn't feel like I had close, like intimate relationships, if that makes sense. Like there wasn't like a friend I could talk to except for this couple I lived with. And they just let me be for that period and just let me figure out what do I want to do right now? Like, and I just really put this plan in place. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to move forward. And then I had to do it, which was the hard part. Did you ever be open with your family about what you're going through and why maybe you didn't go and stay with them? Or did they not want you to come back home and you had to learn on your own? Oh, at this point, staying with my family was no longer an option. Uh, I left in a very dramatic sense. Um, It was uh, either you do what we say or you leave and never come back. And so I had already done that prior to the the Bible college leave. Uh, I had said, okay, this isn't the place for me. Uh, I was, you know, 19 years old. I'm not saying that I had it all figured out, but I still think there was better ways for them to handle the situation. But I had to be at home at a certain time. And the fact that I had a business or I had a job didn't make a difference. And so they uh, said, if you can't follow our rules and you, you're not to attend that church down the road anymore, you are not to uh, have these particular friends, then you can't be here anymore. And so I said, well, that's the choice I'm making in my life. And and this was not a situation of me on drugs or drinking alcohol or anything like that that would be typical in that situation. This was very much an argument of I want to go to that church down the street and I want to be friends with some of the the young people that are younger people that I had met at that church and they just wouldn't have it. And so that was why that was no longer an option. It was the day you leave is the day you're done. And so they really severed that relationship for me. And I just was not able to live in that environment any longer. There's a lot of other baggage in that environment too, mm-hmm. uh, that I just couldn't go back to. And that's why really the the couple that took me in were really helpful in understanding of what was really going on and allowed me to just have a place to land twice actually and heal, which was fantastic. This is really what I needed. When you're sharing your story, and I only ask this, is it basically this town, is it run by this church? Is is It's not like it sounds like a it's a cult or anything, but is it kind of that rural town where the church kind of oversees a lot of everything that's happening? Um, there's definitely some of that in, in some of the, the churches. My specific uh like nuance area of it no it was very much just okay. my parents and their and their little family uh it was very isolated uh that's that's particularly common in some of the darker sides of homeschooling where it's kind of this patriarchal family and i'm seeing some of the families have kind of grown and now it's multiple families kind of adhering to that patriarchal 
father figure. And that kind of grows as probably what it could have grown into if me and my brothers and sisters would have stayed in that world. When you were living with that couple, when did you feel that it was ready to step out of living with them and go on your own? I really wanted to prove to myself, and that was a part of my plan. So the second time around there, after the Bible college experience, uh, I had worked with the IT company, and it kind of I needed more hours, and so I took a, a sales job, uh, and they and they gave me a full time job, guaranteed salary. I knew what my income was every week, and I was able to start paying off my bills and my you know backlog stuff so i knew that i could afford my own place which is really what i wanted to do i wanted to stand on my own i didn't want to have to live off of anybody else Mm -hmm. and so about eight months after i was there uh there was somebody from one of my friends from that church said hey you know i'm looking for an apartment let's roommate together and we did that uh, and that was really the time where, when I did that. So I'd had a consistent income stream. I had figured that out. I was really out of my comfort zone with the sales job, but something had clicked in me. I just said, this is what I have to do to get to where I want to go. And I really wanted to learn sales. And so I was learning sales at the same time. And so it was a really great experience. It was a little scary sometimes, uh, but I couldn't go back to what I was. So I knew the only thing I had to do was just keep moving forward and go through these things. And I was going to get there. Hearing about your company now, I feel that sales job probably helped you a lot because as a business owner, you're selling people to utilize your skills, utilize your business to become that client. And I feel that when I did a sales job for the first time, I hated it because I'm not a person that's trying to guilt people into using something if they're not comfortable using it. But that was from my industry that I was in. But I knew that it helped me be able to communicate a product better by having that sales experience. What do you think that sales job taught you most about yourself? Uh, it really taught me, you know, I, I, I'm an ex, uh, introvert, but it taught me the extrovert skills that I needed to have uh, within that. And it really taught me that an introvert can sell. It was just about building relationships with people. And it was a door-to-door sales job. I went from business to business and tried to sell them a product. And I was a little nervous about it. But it was one of those times where I didn't have a backup plan. This was the plan. And I had to get off my butt every single day and go in and out of places. And I won big awards in that company. Like I went to the very top because I didn't have a backup plan. This was the plan and I just had to get out there and do that and learn the skills. And I, they loved that I asked questions and wanted to get better. And the managers were more than happy to get me trained, to talk to me, to help me find stuff, and even like give me like really good leads that they came across and give them away to me. And it just really made me excel and do very well in that world. When was the first step of you becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own company? Talk about that experience. I think this is why I like to highlight this. The first step was not the day that I did the first job or signed the first lease. It was really like a mental step back in that that sales job that I had. I was like, 
I really need to do this and I don't know where to start, but I started writing that plan. And I, I think that really talks to me not being distracted. You have to have some type of plan with it. Uh, there was a, I don't know, like a networking group. I don't know how else to describe it. We'd get together every two weeks and, you know, find leads for each other. It was a bunch of different people from different industries. And I became friends with one of the uh, entrepreneur owners. He actually hosted the events. We'd use his conference room and stuff. And he just said to me, you know, Nate, when are you going to go start your own business? Because this really, this job you're in, you're doing very, very well at it. But I know that you can, you like to do your own thing. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know when is the right time to jump. And he goes, no time is the right time to jump. It's just, you've got to get your plan together and do it. Yeah. And that was really like a pivotal moment. Like, okay, so I, I have a rudimentary plan and I just really started developing it more and more. And the more I wrote that plan, the more dissatisfied I got with the day-to-day job of sales. Like some people just love it. Like just come in every single day and do it every single day. I yeah. mean, my then manager still is in that same job and he just loves it. And we stay in touch and that's just what he does every single day. It's like his passion and that's great, but that's not always for everybody. And so that was really the pivotal moment. I was like, okay, now I need to do it. And then just taking that step, the, the next like real pivotal moment was like, okay, this is now, now this is real. We're doing it. Uh, was right around the time my son was going to be born. And I really wanted to show legacy to him and I really wanted him and any of the kids that came after him to show that, you know, we work for what we do. We make our own destiny. We make our own future with this. And I decided, okay, now's the time to start it. And I started about six months before he was born. And so he's never known a time that dad didn't own his own business. And it just seems almost foreign now listening to him you know, his friends, dads go to work at this big company, but you have your own company. Why don't they have their own company? And him really processing that. I think that's really exciting because I've been able to plant that seed of you can make your own way in life. Did you ever have any worries about starting your own business? Any big risks that you were concerned about? Oh, no, I never have any worries. No, <laughs> every single day. I still suffer from that imposter syndrome to this day. I still, I, I worried a lot about like, where's the customers going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? How am I going to do this? You know, what's my backup plan? And and to be honest, I'll say I, I have backup plans because that's, I live so long without backup plans. I have to have them. Uh but with a good backup plan, you can get a little bit more complacent. Mm-hmm. And so I worried very initially, like, how am I going to do this? I mean, I started the company with $200, a hundred bucks. And, you know, fortunately I had my wife's income. Uh, she was, you know, she had good insurance. She had a good income and we lived on a teacher's salary. They say, you can't do it. Don't listen to everything you hear on the internet. We lived on that salary for, uh, two and a half years before I started pulling any kind of income from the business. And that was really the way that we got the company started. Uh, and so there was a lot of times like, oh, is this really going to, is this really going to happen? Or when I signed my first lease or when I signed my second lease or when I hired my first full-time employees, those were pivotal moments of, 
can I really afford this? And now I look back, so I can't imagine doing these things without those tools and assets that I have in place. I just couldn't imagine running this business without those things. Looking at your whole journey as a business owner, what would you say is one of those big success that you've had that you are very proud of that you were able to achieve? Well, I would really say uh, having a business that is seven years old now, uh, that's that's actually pretty rare, even among the friends that I now have that are entrepreneurs. You know, they've some of them have already just jumped out of it. That started around a similar time that I did, whether it was COVID, whether it was other reasons, whether it was job offers. I mean, I've gotten job offers that a guy who doesn't, you know, with my background and stuff, why would it, why would you be offering me that kind of money or that kind of job because of the success that I've had? Uh, I, I just really say, well, that's fantastic. And I feel like I'm only getting started. Uh, another success I have is just the relationships that I've been able to form uh, with with these really awesome people that I have around. And they're, they're people that are local. They're people that are, you know, internationally. You know, I get to work with people all over the world with what I do. And, and those are huge successes. I didn't even think about like, you know, there's some person in, you know, uh, Europe that I'm going to talk to about cybersecurity, which is what I do in my primary company and be able to help them with that. I didn't think about that back when I started the company. I was just going to do it for my little town. And here it's like grown so much bigger and gone so much further than I could have ever expected in seven years. Well, congratulations with seven years and still going strong, but it's so exciting to hear that each day you wake up, you are excited about what you do and how, when you were explaining that success, you didn't focus on one thing. You talked about a different thing, a few different things that a lot of business owners will have to look at where it's the business relationships, the networking, the opportunities, the growth to keep scaling with a lot of competition that's happening. But you're so excited to keep waking up every day and doing what you love to do. Uh, Absolutely. I always say that what really sets me apart from some of the other businesses out there is I'm excited about it. You, You come to me and say, hey, I've got this manufacturing business and we're making these bolts and I'm so excited about like that's awesome I'm glad you've got that contract to make those bolts and I'm excited that I get to protect your blind side of cybersecurity and I get sometimes a little over involved in it and maybe that's maybe that's the struggle of the interpersonal skills maybe I don't know where the boundary is sometimes but I just think that we could all be best friends because I'm just having so much fun doing what I'm doing that the passion just spills over and I just have a lot of ideas not only for uh, my own company, but someone's, hey, I have this great idea for your business. Not trying to tell you how to run it, but I just can't stop my mind sometimes. It's a lot of fun. Do you have a future goal for your company? Something that's on your horizon on what's next for it? I'm really in the process now of making this company run without me because I think that's the biggest uh, challenge that, business owners face as they build a great company. uh, But there's still some very integral pieces that if they're not there, the company will just not run as well. And so my first obstacle I need to overcome with that is the fear of the company not running well, like somebody making the wrong decision or doing the wrong thing. So I'm really in the process of using the uh, traction book of just automating those systems. 
here are the questions that you're going to have to ask, and here's the answers I would like you to have, and here's how you can make these decisions so that I can still work in the business. But if something happens or maybe one of those other ideas pop in my head and I want to get distracted and chase after those, this business will be okay and doesn't have to have me to function to be here because we've built a really awesome thing. I've got a really awesome team and I really want to be successful, uh, but I may go chase another squirrel in the future. And so that's really my goal now with it is to get it automated so that they can do what we're doing every single day. You talked about earlier how as an owner of a company, you're still able to do other things while still being that owner, like your podcast, but you're also an author. What got you to be an author? Well, I really want to be able to give people, and I just give the book away. I am very terrible at author sales. Maybe <laughs> that's one day uh, I'll get better at that. Uh, I do have plans of writing a book about my story, but we're still figuring that out without being distracted. I wanted to be an author because I wanted to say, you know, words have so much power. And if I can give you this book that will help your business, even if there's no other value that I add, even if you don't buy my services, here's something that I really want to just give you and say, maybe you're in a bad place like I was at one point. It's a different kind of bad place, but I want you to get to a better place, even if it's not with me. I, I want to give you that guidance so that you're okay. With your podcast, what's the kind of overall theme message that you would like a listener to learn from if they're hearing it for the first time? You know, the Journey podcast is really, really about sharing stories. So I spent quite a number of years in therapy, and the really powerful thing that stood out to me more about therapy than anything else, I needed an outlet of somebody who didn't have any like presuppositions, didn't know anything about my past or my future, my failures, that was just really willing to listen to my story for the value that it was. Because me sharing my story allows me to deal with that trauma in that story. And when we we deal with trauma, it helps us build new pathways in the brain. So when you have... Uh, a bad memory, maybe, you know, let, let, I, I don't want to trigger anybody, but let's say a pet died when you were a child. So every time you think of when your pet died as a child, your brain is reliving that trauma like it's happening in this moment. Okay. And when you're reliving that, uh, you are triggering certain things. So some people like myself have such dark trauma that we, we lock it up. Our brain locks it up because it's too bad and too scary for us. So as we start telling those stories like I did through therapy, I started unlocking some of these stories that my brain had locked up and said are too severe and too bad for Nate to be able to remember. And so I was able to process those and live through those and be able to figure out how to put those things aside so they no longer were controlling me because they were still controlling my experiences. They were still affecting how I treated life but I didn't even know the story myself anymore because I had locked it away. And that's really the purpose of the journey. I want people to be able to come and tell their stories. So it's one more time that they can tell their stories to begin unlocking that for themselves and encourage other people to say, you should share your story. Your story is important and it can help other people uh, share their stories so that they can be better too. 
I always say podcast is a way to let people share their stories, but there's always a listener that might say, well, no one's going through the same thing I'm going through. And then they hear someone else talk about their story and they can relate or they have a similar kind of style in it. And it just shows the way that we all have similar journeys, maybe, but Some people maybe aren't ready to share it. Some people are open about sharing it, but it just gives us the power to be able to be open with the world. And all the people that are listening to this, we may not know who these people are, but they may be able to connect with your story or connect with my story and be able to say, I've gone through that. And it just builds the connection. It's almost a way of networking without really knowing that person. Right. I I agree. Every time I share my story. I have somebody reach out and say, thanks so much for sharing your story. This is what's similar. This is what connected with me. And the same thing with the journey podcast, people reach out and say, Oh, that really meant a lot. I was going through this and and you don't know. And our stories are different, but then there's some similarities too. And it helps encourage people. And it really helps save lives by telling stories. Because if you feel like there's something in your story that you could never tell anybody and you might get to a place of desperation. And I've been in these places where I feel like it's too terrible and maybe I should just be done with life. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that you, you have value and you have purpose. And if I would have ended it back in my early 20s, I wouldn't be here today being able to to live my life with my family or be around my awesome team or just do the things that I get to do every single day and really get to live life and say, you have value, you have purpose, listen to my story, continue to listen to other stories. And maybe you're not ready to share your story in a podcast format, but get a friend or go yeah. talk to a counselor about your story so you can begin that. Because I say podcasting is a continuation of my counseling, of my of my therapy. But I did a lot of years of in a private, quiet room, doors closed. Nobody else knew the story until I was ready to put that out there for people to see. Something fun we like to give our listeners is to learn more about the individual in a fun way. What is something on your bucket list or list that you hope to accomplish in the next few years? Personally, not professionally. Oh, wow. I want to do that. This is one thing I've really been challenged by doing. I want to do a backpacking kayak trip. So if you're familiar with kayak, if you're familiar with kayaking, it's pretty easy. You go in, you go out type of thing. Uh, you can backpack and there's a lot bigger community built around the backpacking community. You, you walk a trail and you do that. But I really want to do one of the major rivers in the U.S. backpacking and you have to have a chase vehicle to help you with that and stuff that would definitely be a fun bucket list to do it uh there was a a lady who just did the whole mississippi not sure if i'm ready for that but (laughs) maybe maybe the missouri uh maybe from end to end on something like that or even just just a week i've got to get a little bit more training on that but that would definitely be a bucket list thing i would love to do and just live off the land and and do a trip like that down one of the major rivers in the u.s well, with winter being cold, during the summer, do you go kayaking a lot or do you go trail hiking, backpacking, things like that? I do. I do a lot of kayaking. I'm getting involved in the kayak racing now, which is a really fun experience. Uh, but I, I kayak several hundred miles during the summertime. 
I do a lot of winter hiking because I have to pick. There's only so much time in the day and I have a family <laughs> and a business. So typically in the winter, I do a lot of hiking because it's it's just too cold to to kayak. A lot of people talk about the the winter kayaking and stuff, but I just don't like to get wet and cold. So <laughs> I like the warm cold. So I, I do a lot of that. So then I, I book a lot of uh, trail hiking in the winter, a couple hundred miles there as well. So it's really one of my outlets in a way to just get away from the world and just see nature and just really enjoy that. And I love uh, kayaking and uh, uh, hiking with people as well. So that's, that's a fun offer. If you're ever up this way, Alex, or I'm out your way, let's, uh, if you want to enjoy that or anybody listening, just hit me up and uh, we'll go hiking or kayaking sometime. See, I wish I could just go kayaking every week in the summer, but knowing my schedule, it'd get too crazy. But I try to go hiking a lot more. My friend and I, we try to hit trails in our area, but we'll eventually branch out because it's just fun just to be out in nature and just enjoy. And plus for him and I, we learn even more about each other. We've been friends for almost eight, nine years, but you find new things about each other that you're like, I didn't know this about you, but it's just so much fun being out in nature. And I think that's the best part about it. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's just a great experience. And I always say, I also just walk and do some running and stuff just in my town. And you learn so much about that area that you're walking through. You just don't know those areas. And that kind of, you know, connects back to even my childhood. You know, there was a, big uh woods next to us and the neighbor actually let us hike there and i just loved doing that as a child and did that a ton and so that kind of connects to why i love being outdoors because it was really my sanctuary the place that i could get peace from it all and just recollect my thoughts and i just i do this to this day for different purposes uh and i just i just love being out there and i have new ideas and i I problem solve you know i'm like i'm i'm kayaking along I'll, i'll you know, by myself and I'm thinking about that challenge with that employee or that challenge with that customer. How are we going to, you know, do this next thing? And that's how I just really process it during those times. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? I really believe you need to find a mentor or a friend who can really just be that accountability. We can't go this alone. Uh, there are people who will love you. You have to, you know, open yourself up to sometimes that's the hardest thing is to be in a relationship with people, but that's how we're created. We can't do it without people in our lives. So don't cut people out, really take the time to get to know them. Uh, and just be able to put yourself out there and uh, be in relationship. That's really the only way uh, that you'll be able to overcome the challenges that are in front of you. Because I wouldn't be able to do it without the people that were around me. Well, Nate, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people. And we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks so much, Alex. This was great. It was good therapy for me, too. <laughs> so it's fantastic. Tune in next time here. My next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel through the full length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.